0: What's up, guys? This is Randy from Freaks. I'm finally back in the studio with Dario, and today we're doing a special bonus episode about one of my favorite bands, Pain of Salvation. Stick around.
1: Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm your host Dario and this is indeed a very special bonus episode and it's another discography special. Uh, It's been a while since we tackled Evergrey. Today another Swedish band and it's Pain of Salvation as Randy already said. And I'm super happy to have him back on the show again. What have you been up to Randy? Hey Dario, (laughs) great to be back. Uh, Great to be talking in a mic with you again.
0: Uh, uh, I've been, yeah, we've been pretty busy. Um, we're moving the studio at the moment. Um, so we're kind of at a remote location at the moment and we're going to move into a new studio soon. So we've been busy with that. And I've also been busy with, um, finishing the Howl of the Underdogs, our documentary about matter mortem. That's, uh, very close to being done. And we've actually started submitting the, the, the film as it is to film festivals so we hope to start getting some some screenings maybe at the beginning of 2021. Um, but uh, yeah, for fans of Matter Mortem, stay tuned. We'll be posting updates on the movie and how you can see it on the on Matter Mortem's page. Of course, on the Freaks Facebook page, and you can follow us on www or on the Howl of the Underdogs Facebook page. Okay. Yay! Commercial for that movie is over. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, Dario. This is so exciting. We'll
1: be back after this short break. Um, (laughs) Could have been great, America. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, uh,
0: Yeah, I want to say that this Pain of Salvation um, special bonus episode today is actually where we started the conversation about
1: having the Prague cast at all. That's right. I totally forgot that. But now that you bring it up, it was like, hey, we want to talk about this super awesome discography why don't we make a, po- a podcast and yep. like one and a half years later here we are yeah because I, I remember when dario and, o, dario
0: and i got to know each other three four years ago yeah. now i guess it's been um we talked uh you know about bands we liked we met at prog shows because i was filming there and he was attending and we got to know each other but then we started about talking about bands that we liked and pain of salvation always came up and uh so we were like, yeah, it would be cool to just like nerd out about the albums, <laughs> you know, and our and our personal connection to them and stuff. And here we are some years later and 72 episodes of the
1: podcast later, we're finally doing the thing that we wanted to do yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> Actually, it's more than 72 episodes because there was uh, the a couple of bonus episodes. So, uh we're we all in all, True. I think we're almost closing in on the 80. Um but yeah, it's been a crazy week for the broadcast. First uh, Tim Bonus, then Daniel talking about Panther, and then I already recorded the upcoming episode with Dauber from Oceans of Slumber. So we're staying into emotionally heavy, in emotionally heavy territory. Um, and now we're doing this, and I'm super excited about it. We uh, shouldn't uh, like uh, dwell too long on any intro now because. There's a lot of ground to cover and luckily we uh, had the opportunity or I had the opportunity. Daniel had some time and gave us the time and uh, talked uh, to me about his favorite takes and some anecdotes throughout the entire Pain of Salvation discography when I was doing the, um, the regular broadcast interview. So, um, you guys will be hearing his takes on all these albums as well. So, we try to keep it. Yeah, we'll keep, try to keep our nerdings <laughs> short so you can also hear from the man. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's dive right in, right? But what I think is crazy is Entropia being the first album, it just comes out of nowhere. And uh, yeah. And 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 it's like complete, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. A, f- a fully like mature band with the first record right uh, right away.
1: Absolutely, and like um, it, t- <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's 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 baffling to me how um, how a debut album can be that good. Um, I'm just thinking, did we include that in our favorite debut albums? Yes. Did we? I'm pretty sure that I did. I thought about it
0: when I was thinking about this uh, yeah. recording and but I I'm pretty sure it was in, in, in ev- there.
1: Ev- everything was there from right from yeah. the start. Uh crazy vocal acrobatics in the highest stratospheres. Um even the rapping uh, yeah, and um metal, yeah. jazz, hip hop y sections. <laughs> um yeah, Me- messy sections, grandiose, like um, uh, polyrhythmical sections, yeah. and, and and then like um,
0: ballads. Yeah, like really heart wrenching moments towards the end and stuff. Uh, I'll just I think I may if we did talk about this I may have already told the story but um, I actually discovered Pain of Salvation with the the first record. So I grew up in, in South Carolina, and um, before I moved to New York, around 98, I was, a, um, I was on the Perpetual Motion board, which is the name I re- remember it being called, and, and discovered a lot of bands early in, in those days, um, like Pain of Salvation. And uh, a lot of people were talking about this album, Entropia, and I managed to find... I think it was an imported copy because I don't know that it was yet released on Inside Out America, or maybe it was an Inside Out America version. Um, but I it, wouldn't know. But it was around the time, uh, it was around 99 when they released um, One Hour by the Concrete Lake, but I actually got Entropia first. And um, the first time I listened to it, I have a very old friend... Uh, in South Carolina who was like a like a musical influence on me as well like got me into Pink Floyd and stuff like that. And we went to his house and he has this huge like stereo system in his living room or did back then 20 30 years ago or whatever that was. And we like just sat on the couch and like put it on and listened to it together and this was like a very memorable moment because I had no idea what any of it sounded like. you know, it was before. You really had the chance to stream anything you know you would have yeah, like the, check out youtube singles yeah, anything, yeah there was nothing like that yeah. so um i was really nervous because i had read all this cool stuff but i was afraid you know we wouldn't like it or my friend wouldn't like it or something like that and we were just both blown away yeah. by this like um listening.
1: W- one thing i specifically love from the get-go is like the all these beautiful reprises uh, of themes that yeah. occur throughout the album, like the reprise of pe- the people passing by theme in Void of Her and Circles. And um, it's just, just beautiful. And there's, there's uh, certainly a lot more reprises that are more subtle, that are not that much into your face, more or less, um, or easy to spot. Um, so, yeah, wh- what would be your favorite pick? Um
0: so my knee jerk reaction would would be to to pick stress and the reason is is like another personal connection to this album when I went to film school in 2000 like a year after I heard this one of the first videos I made in film school like my first student film was actually a music video and it was for stress and I like convinced my roommate to like go into New York City and get stressed, you know, and then I filmed him like all over the place on rooftops, you know, like in the song and like made this really like crazy, um, fast edit and stuff. And it was all done on on videotape back then on beta. So, it oh was actually goodness. very complicated uh, editing, like tape to tape kind of thing. And, uh, and then I played it for the class and I... I think it freaked everybody out by the by the music, you know. <laughs> yeah. Already, you know, and this like weird time signature, and that was like the first thing I ever edited in my life. You know, like it was the first
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so,
0: like to this day, I feel like I'm a better, a better a better editor because I made this video, and it was like so painstaking <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, so that would have been my choice but i think uh that's one that a lot of people pick so i would i would actually do planes of dawn because this song is like i'm gonna pick some deep cuts today and during in today's yeah. a- episode um because like this song is just so like when you get to that place in the in the album it's just yeah. like it is the finale
1: and yeah then the leaving entropy is just the epilogue so it exactly. is the big finale um, what about you? I'm a bit torn uh, between Oblivion Ocean, but I but I already plugged Oblivion Ocean a couple of episodes back because one day I just woke up. I think the day of recording the podcast, uh, the proca- this broadcast this podcast episode, and I just had Oblivion Ocean mm. stuck in my mind. Yeah, which is a super beautiful ballad. Uh, but I think for craziness, I would go, uh, and especially for crazy vocals, I would go with Night Mist. Yeah, and there, especially, mark the 4:33 mark. <laughs> there, <laughs> that's where the crazy happens. Yeah. Um, Good choice.
0: Um, yeah. Why don't we uh, listen to what uh, what uh, Daniel thought? Absolutely.
2: I mean, the the first album for any band will always be sort of a a collection of songs that uh, that you know that they, they have a few years on them already so uh, I think there are a lot of interesting songs on there that can really display the different the, the different eras that we were coming from in, in many ways and I but I, I still think that um, to me stress and um, and people passing by are probably still songs that are Sort of telling you that 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 this is a fairly unique thing going on. Um, stress was also like revisited for uh, for the Falling Home album in a very specific, nice way. Uh, it's quite a complicated but still sort of quirky and funny song. I always love when we when we manage to be super complex but still catchy enough for for people who have no clue about complexities or or structures of music will still sort of like it um and and i guess stress is one of those songs in a way i mean it's it's sort of catchy on some levels but really really messy on other levels i do like also like when you when you play uh, people passing by live especially like the first times because obviously like the album came out um and in in most of europe it actually came out as the second album like because in, in many parts of the world, uh, One Hour by the Concrete Lake was actually released first, even though it was recorded second. But it was recorded in 97, uh, or recorded in 96 and released in 97. But we didn't have a, a record deal for for Europe at that point. So so the funny thing is that when once we were actually getting on tour again, and we were performing, people passing by, and I started slapping, in the beginning of the song on guitar, everyone just looked over at the bass player, you know, because they, they only heard the album and they assumed that it was bass in the beginning, but it's actually guitar. And that was always funny every time.
0: Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, I would say moving on um, to One Hour by the Concrete Lake. Um, also made a couple of films in film school that used uh, <laughs> like Pilgrim, I'm pretty sure at least pilgrim i i used in some like little sixteen millimeter short film um and yeah a darker record l- I, I feel less personal a little bit more like
1: intellectual yeah and, and he's he 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 went more down the socio political yeah. uh path like like very full on already um connecting connecting social political concerns with kind of personal storylines um i mean in in entropia there's this war theme father go but it 's more coming story. from a personal place right from yeah. a child 's point of view yeah. and but, but still there's there 's an element that kind of um talks about these things and 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 yeah and Going to war as a nation is definitely a kind of social political issue that, of course, uh, affects the the individuals very, very personally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think I read somewhere that, uh, or I've
0: heard people say that this is maybe like the least well-known record from them, or like the least like acclaimed. um, Yeah could be but i don't actually know why because i mean musically it's amazing and i mean thematically it's it's great and he still manages to take these like big themes and make a very personal story out of it and
1: it's and it's it's still relevant that's the that's the that's the if anything it was like a little before its time you know this whole like water crisis stuff that's the most chilling thing about stuff like this about um yeah art like this yeah when you Go back to it twenty years later, like um, remember when we talked about war of Dane and uh, future tense yeah it's so chilling to see that these these hmm. things are still relevant I mean water would also also be one of the tracks that uh, are um, lyrically like so cool and i and I found it really cool to 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 uh, find out that. Daniel is such a huge Leonard Cohen fan. Yeah. And it shows sometimes in the, in the way he write, writes lyrics as uh, poems and he, how he plays with the language. Yeah. plays with words. yeah, Plays with words, actually. And yeah, water's for the chosen, water's for the few, but only if we believe it to be true. <laughs> but we do. <laughs> <laughs> and we flush. And we flush <laughs> and
0: re-flush. <laughs> anyway... Um, um, yeah. yeah, I think Daniel has a, a few short remarks about this, but I think before we go to him, I would say uh, for my pick, I would pick Pilgrim because I think it's just also like a deep cut and such a beautiful song. Um, uh, although I really love uh, Inside Out uh, as, I mean, it's the name of the label, but it's also <laughs> like a, that outro riff. Like, yeah. I mean, and the piano and everything is just like really amazing.
1: Short serenity into inside out with the with the um, galloping blast beats and the and the like whirring keys on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, now that you po- uh, uh, um, picked pilgrim, uh, which for me as a, a singer and cello player is marvelous, of yeah. course. Um, I'm gonna pick not water, but the big machine. Yeah. Three twenty is the. Time stamp there. What if we lose control? Here's Daniel.
2: I think my one of my favorites from that album has always been uh, New Year's Eve, uh, and I think that is maybe the song that is most giving a clue about where we're heading with music. Like that is the one that is pointing pretty much in in the direction of uh, the perfect element and Remedy Lane in many ways.
0: Awesome. So moving on
1: to Perfect Element, part one. Yeah, um, maybe also a quick uh, reflection on the lineup changes as we're moving into the classic Pain of Salvation lineup. Daniel Magditch, who was the second guitar player and vocalist uh, for Entropia and One Hour by the Concrete Lake, and also co-wrote a couple of songs, I think, with Daniel Also, yeah, the other Daniel. (laughs) Uh, Daniel Magditsch, who is playing now with with prehistoric animals. Yeah, that's a funny Um, small world, huh? Yeah, um, but enter Johan Hallgren, uh, who was, of course, a big part of the classic Penifestation lineup and is back now. And, yeah, somehow Perfect Element 1 and... Then Remedy, moving on to Remedy Lane, it feels like those the two classic albums. Uh, I, like yeah, the absolutely. legendary Pain of
0: Salvation. I mean, going from One Hour by the Concrete Lake to um, The Perfect Element 1, I mean, Daniel you know, suggested that you can already hear the direction of the next record, but I feel like the density of, of The Perfect Element is it's it's much denser i think than than one hour by the concrete lake i think it's i feel like one hour like works faster like as a like a, the first time you hear it you get you hear the melodies and stuff and i feel like perfect element really requires some time with the album it's become one of my favorite albums from them but i i wouldn't say it started that way because it took so long and funny story i got the album you know the day a, a few days before it came out actually I, I had a record store in new york that always had the records on the Friday before the Tuesday. It used to be Tuesdays was release day oh, okay. until a few years ago. Yeah. And they always would get them on Friday, and I would go in and buy. So, mm-hmm. um, and my copy of the CD of, from, from Inside Out America, I guess it still was, of this album, it, it only had one track on it. So, it was like defective. Like, you would put it on, and it would say, one track, and it's 75 minutes long. And so... I in the in the first years of listening to this be- way before streaming and stuff
1: for for you it was one song it was song, one song like
0: light of day day of darkness yeah or um, i mean i knew it was a mistake because uh, it it was a broken out <laughs> yeah but it but it the, every song blended together so i mean even to this day it's hard for me to think about the those tracks as individual songs because oh, wow. the problem would be that if i would listen to the album like on the way to class i was still in film school at the time uh, and I didn't uh, finish the album, like if I didn't get through the whole album and I would stop the CD player, the CD player would shut off. And when I turn it back on, of course, I would have to <laughs> fast forward... You, you mean your disc man? My disc man, exactly. <laughs> my disc man. I would have to fast forward What's the CD in your disc man? <laughs> to the point where I left off, you know? So yeah. like for, for years and years, that was how I experienced this album as just one block Maybe that was also why it was harder to get into, because I I had to commit, you know, if I press the play, then it's like, okay, I, I need to block my time for the next <laughs> hour and a few. And I would say, uh, just to quickly say my favorite, tr- uh, my my pick uh, would be King of Loss, uh, which I think is maybe also kind of a deep cut. I don't know that that's, the, I mean, certainly Ashes is the one that everybody talks about, uh, and Daniel's. you're going to hear from Daniel in a minute that he's a, got a funny story about that song. Yes, but um, um, King of the Lost, I think, is amazing.
1: I think uh, Ashes was the one I discovered Pain of Salvation with. Ah, okay. Like a couple of years after I had seen them uh, with Dream Theater on the World Turbulence in 2001, maybe, mm-hmm. or two. Uh, it was the tour before releasing the six degrees where they played six degrees already but the album was not out yet and um, but for me as like 14 15 year old only knowing pink floyd and mm-hmm. dream theater hearing pain of salvation before dream theater it was just too much it was so overwhelming yeah i was utterly intrigued but it I needed a couple of years to go back to them and fully appreciate them, because I needed to learn a few things about music first. Yeah, <laughs> and I think Ashes, as Daniel's going to
0: talk about, is. Uh, I mean, for me, as somebody who had already been with them for the first two, you know, two records, um, I to me, Ashes being so popular at that time. Was a little surprising to me because I thought it was more like the simpler song. That's why I like King of Loss more, or the yeah. or the opening track, you yeah. know, um, used which has the which has Daniel more. I think more audibly rapping than before. Yeah. I mean, certainly there was hip hop elements and entropy and stuff, but this one I feel like has. The more the the first really audible like yeah. clear like rap
1: section with, with with King of Loss I especially like the crescendos they use like like they build up tension mm. and they don't release it yeah build up tension again and then and then suddenly the yeah. release is there um, a, a tiny little Easter egg that I found maybe I, I don't know if anyone uh, anybody else hears this but the, the l- there's a little piano melody at the end of In the Flesh before moving into Ashes. That reminds me of Space Divest, actually. Whoa. (laughs) We can listen to it later. Yeah, that's Yeah. And another another funny thing is that Idio Glossia, the main theme from Idio Glossia, ended up at the Ozzy album later that Daniel was supposed to be part of. And also probably wrote this riff, um, but he didn't end up being part of the of the record, funnily enough. Okay, you you never. No, uh, I don't, no, this, I don't it's, know it's, this. It's exactly the same riff, or or <laughs> th- theme. Um,
0: just a little note about the production of the album. I I always felt like like the the sound of Pain of Salvation changed a bit with this record, like the way it was produced. Yeah. Um. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Daniel has talked about that in interviews, that he purposely tried to create, like, this wall of sound thing. Yeah. I think I think he was trying to achieve this sort of, like, um, hard limiter effect where you kind of, like, smash everything so that the dynamics are squashed across everything, so everything is really loud. Um, and then later, he would kind of back away from that. And certainly by the Road Salt albums things got really uh, dynamic, but I think he was actually trying to go in that extreme direction with this album. Yeah,
1: the first two albums are, um, there's more dynamic on it, Yeah, like, uh, I can certainly hear that, but it, um, yeah,
0: it worked. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think that's also why it makes it more, in my opinion, more dense as a as a record, as a piece yeah. of music, because... You don't really pick out all the little pieces right away like the bass and the guitars and the drums you know and this it's just like this big wall of sound and so it really takes a few listens
1: to hear all the the nuance and stuff so yeah. when i saw pain of salvation again after a couple of years then on the road soul tour road soul one tour and i saw them three times on that tour and they they used to end their main set with the perfect element Ah, with the title track and brought out a few more standing toms and ended in that big percussion frenzy i was gonna say this is my favorite album ending of of a pain of
0: salvation album uh and i my cd the one that was one track it skipped by the end of its life because i had replayed that outro so many times like listening to the outro only that it like burned (laughs) the cd so this is a a great choice and yeah really one of my favorite outros which they kind of repeated a little bit on b Uh, i
1: was about to say that when we by the time we got there (laughs) yeah but of course let's let's listen to daniel quickly what he has to say about perfect element And then we're gonna move on to Remedy Lane.
2: Yeah, Perfect Element was the the first album that I was really making pretty much on my own, uh, very much uh, because I was not. uh, We were going up north, um, and I was studying for for two years, so we were not. I was writing a lot of that on my own uh, at home uh, to a much higher extent than than previously, and. I think one of my favorite songs from that album is always going to be, maybe a bit boring uh, to to some of the progier uh, fans, but I would I would still go to say that "Ashes" is one of uh, of the strongest songs. And the funny thing is, it came out of it. It was born out of spite, because back then, the internet was not what it is today. So um, so you, you you would actually have to sit there and wait for your modem, and then you would. Enter whatever web address that you know for where you wanted to go. It was not as easy to just like move around, and but so the the place to hang when you were into Prague music or metal music was the Perpetual Motion Conference, which was a a forum, and uh, it was sort of like annoying me that there was a lot of discussions about you know, simple music with just, like, basically the, what they said was that music with fewer than four chords could not be good music. And it's sort of like, it, it made me so annoyed that I i felt that I'm going to write a song and it's not only going to be three chords, like I'm not going to stop there, it's going to be the same three chords in the same progression through the entire song, without one single exception, and that you know, and, and that's what it is. If you listen to Ashes, you will have your intro, you will have your verse, your bridge, and your chorus, and then it, it goes over again, and you will have uh, a, like a, a, some other part there, and then you will have this uh, the ending solo. Uh, all of it, just the same three chords going round and round and round in the exact same uh, progression, and. The, the nicest thing was that year when the, re- the album was released, it was voted the best song of the year at the Perpetual Motion Conference. Because I'm just having the feeling that 99% of everyone who listened to it back then did not think for a moment that it only had three chords. You know, and I guess that was my point. It's just like you cannot judge quality by the, the number of components. It's by the quality of the components and again i think one one more song that is that stands out on perfect element you know especially in retrospective is um used for instance well you do actually you do have already with exclamation mark on entropia i just i was so confused on like when we did scarsick and fans complained that i was rapping i was just sort of like well i've done that since before the first album like I, it was just confusing to me because to me that was like part of of the musical DNA of the band and it had always been um, so and I think I mean that you can just hear that unused it's already there it's just that we have synchronized the bass drums after it uh, and, and, and plays that pattern with the bass drums um, but that's already like doing what I was later on doing on, on scar stick only that we borrowed a bit more of that, the sound from that scene because the, the song was about that scene. So obviously uh, one of the sort of tongue-in-cheek things that we did was adapting the, the sound a bit more to that, you know, to, to that scene.
1: Let's move on to Remedy
0: Land. Okay, so if I'll just say a few words about this, this is maybe one of the most important albums from them for me personally. Um, so I was a fan of the band already for a lot of years, but when this came out, I was it was like, I feel like this is the classic story that a lot of fans have. Like, oh, that album was there for me at a time, and this was definitely that one for me. And um, also, I met my wife, who I'm married to now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and like some of the songs on there uh like really con- connected uh us you know yeah. so uh yeah this is i find it to be one of their one of their best records like yeah, still
1: I, I i would think um that if you would ask any pain of salvation fan or if you did like a survey this would probably come come out on top as the definite pain of salvation hmm. album, despite its uh, origins, which is funny. We're gonna hear from Daniel about that in a minute. Um, two things or three things for me of two beginnings, ending themes was a perfect opener on the Roadside One tour from the s- ah. for the set that was that just worked really well. There's just like one emotionally heart-wrenching, amazingly good song after the other. Yeah. Um, culminating in Beyond the Pale, obviously. Yeah, let's talk about our top picks after Daniel's take.
2: First of all, I have to make sure not to mix these two albums up as well, uh, because I mean I've, we've been sort of like re-studying both of them. Uh, then it's easier to to uh, jumble them into one. I mean, you do have Beyond the Pale. I, I have a tendency of of really going for the 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 shortest and simplest and the most symphonic and complex. Those are the, I, I guess, opposites track. And I, I do really like, I like ending theme, which is, again, a song that was written tongue-in-cheek. We have this, a Swedish pop band that always had that kind of sound. It was like smashing pumpkins, but with a little less passion somehow. Uh, and all of it was sort of like whiny and dark and sort of like um and i made like a joke song that was sort of like that but more complex um and it was called close to you but in swedish and ending themes is actually that song um because we uh, we, we did it as a sort of like a comedy prank at one point and played it um you know with the the, the beatles haircuts uh, but but wigs and then uh, heavy makeup and just standing and looking really depressed and never looking at the audience um, and we played that song and uh, I guess I just felt that you know what as funny as it is I do like the song um, so that became one of the songs on Remedy Lane. You have to remember that Remedy Lane is probably our, our most haphazard album, um, which is the opposite of what people probably think. But we had released uh, The Perfect Element, and then we have this request basically from from Mike Portnoy if we wanted to go with them on that tour that you you know where you saw us. And obviously, you know, we were like, whoa, that is so cool, like a proper real big tour. But we didn't have a new album, and uh, so basically, you know, we have we had to have a new album really quickly, and so what I did was I, I I just took probably because of the lack of time I didn't have time to rethink things too many times, and I just decided at a whim to write about like all of the shit that i was feeling like i i was i was in this sort of like i i i was going through lots of like i was fairly lost and and uh, i had experienced a lot of not very good stuff and i i figured like the 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 best way of making an album quickly is to dig where you stand and sort of like you know work where it hurts <laughs> um because obviously it's easier to just keep going then so uh that album was written so quickly and it was just like such a quick process from writing it learning it recording it and having it out it was just like almost um like dizzying the way things were moving so fast at that point uh to get the album done uh and uh so there is a lot of like decisions being made for that album where we actually didn't have a lot of time to to, to think about whether you know whether whether the ending themes should be there or not because it's actually a prank song from the start. It's just like you just did what you had to do in a way and and uh, I remember like undertow like this is this is not how you're supposed to write music, but I was just drinking wine and I wrote that song in a state of depression in a matter of, I don't know, two or three hours. I can't say that I kept track of time, but that was just like written from the start to finish with lyrics and everything uh, in a, a depressed drunk state with an acoustic guitar in my apartment. Um, so so that is sort of like just a, a clue of how how quickly things were developing for that, for that album. Some of the songs like, um Fandango, for instance, was a track that I'd been working with for, for quite a while and I was sitting and composing that on computer, which was sort of like so cool, you know, you can sit and actually like program the drums the way I want them because that's normally I would have to like explain everything to joan and he would say that it was impossible and I would show him it was not impossible. And he would say well but you're sick I can't do it and then I said try it and then he'd try it and then after a few hours he went like okay it's possible um so that was the normal procedure we had and all of a sudden I could just sit there and program it and go like listen to this <laughs> and uh so um so I mean, it was just in a way um the same thing as with a debut album but in a much shorter time span you just like you collect what you have and you make the jigsaw work, and uh, you you basically write about what feels closest to your heart, which is pretty much what I did for for passing light as well, and with Panther. I think I would like if I would listen, if I would pick up the album right now and I would listen to a song. I have a feeling I would I would probably pick Fandango um, because it is, it is one of the most odd tracks I think, um, and also I do remember when we were on tour. Uh, we were because <laughs> we were opening up for Dream Theater, as you said, and uh, and they after a while they you notice that they started listening to our set, like like the the guys from Dream Theater would like listen to our set. Like Mike did it from the start, but also the other guys would come. And I just remember this one one show that we did in a big place, and we we did Fandango, and it has this very high note uh, towards the end, and it's not falsetto; it's like a full voice thing. Uh, and so I did that and then we, we went off stage and sweating, like, you know, like you do because we just move around so much and jump. And, uh, and then, uh, there was, um, uh, I, I think it was, um, keyboard player and guitar player who were standing there with Mike and, uh, and, uh, the keyboard player, Jordan Rudis. He was like that note at the end of that. I don't, I can't remember which, like w- w- what. Time we played it in the set, but like that fourth song or whatever, like that note is insane, that's got to be illegal in at least 48 states. I just, <laughs> I just still remember that phrase, it's got to be illegal in at least 48 states.
0: Yeah, so that was really uh, insightful to hear how the how the record came together, because like you said before, I mean, this is like the, the perfect Bane of Salvation record and it feels so complete and so like precise uh,
1: but it's it's so hard to uh, pick a top pick and not pick beyond the pale yeah
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna take um, uh, this heart of
1: mine for the, for the lady for the lady because that was the an important yes. track in yeah. my life so that was Remedy Lane we're walking
0: down Remedy Lane right now <laughs> Um, very quick interlude, uh, 12.5 came out after that, uh, and I think it's one of the best acoustic albums, you know, next to Alice in
1: Chains and Nirvana Unplugged. <laughs> yeah, if, if you are discovering Pain of, the Pain of Salvation back discography right now, don't skip this one. Definitely not. And in fact, on Wikipedia, uh,
0: they, they claim that the band considers it an, an album because they rearranged the music so much that it um, that they considered like a standalone piece of work, and they even kept the names of some of the remakes of the songs for future tours and stuff. So I mean, yeah, definitely check it out. And uh, highlight would definitely be
1: the ashes uh, remake. Remake. <laughs> so um, now we're moving into uh, starting to move into controversial <laughs> territory here as B. That, we, we're We're in 2004 now. Um, Yeah, 12 to 5 was also in 2004. Right. And then the big, big concept album B. And yeah, it's critically acclaimed. And a lot of fans say it's so amazing. But apparently, as Daniel will uh, tell you also in a second, it didn't do so well um, for the label, maybe. Yeah commercially i guess yeah. you could call
0: yeah, it so yeah he's going to explain that in a minute but um what i think is interesting and what i don't fully know or understand is there's a live dvd that came out a year or two after the album came out uh and the first time i watched it i was surprised because there were like there were different lyrics and a few arrangement things were different uh and then it turned out that the the live show is actually was actually produced before the record was made yeah. So, like the fan, the the audience that watched that show, you know, would have seen that, would have been hearing that for the first time. You know, nobody would have heard that before.
1: Well, uh, my friend Michael Shatter from Generation Prog Records yeah. and Generation Prog Festival, he, I know, he went there. He flew to Sweden. Ah, oh,
0: okay, he's there for the show.
1: Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, he's on the DVD then, somewhere yeah, in the crowd yeah, there. Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> and I probably would have done the same if I had known Pan of Salvation. Or if that would have happened a couple of years later when i was out of school and like um actually in a place to to do these kind of crazy yeah. travels by myself and afford it and all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh going going back to being as a album um i i like it it's it's uh it stands a bit out as it it's quite folky in some uh parts and quite like cha- chamber um, hmm. um chamber string arrangements and with woodwinds and all that stuff yeah and um but it's great and and it also has like it 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 in the middle there's this uh diffidentia breaching the core which picks up the rap yeah uh and and um also making the, the the groove that goes with it more hip hop like than before. Yeah. Already, um, but the rest is quite um, folksy and, and not so heavy. And
0: there's even the musical moment uh, on Mister Money uh, on Mister Money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, like a new flavor of them. Which I think yeah. when I first heard it, I was like, "Ha!" Huh? And then. After you know more <laughs> listens, I was like, "Yeah, this
1: is amazing." <laughs> um, I, I I really love the little um, Frederick Herm- Hermanson um, instrumental previous estivus, yeah, with the full glass like p- piano arpeggios, yeah, op- right. and of course, Iter Impius is is one of the definite um, Pain of Salvation ballads, no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, as we said earlier when we were talking about a Perfect Element. Um, Uh, At the end, there's all the reprises of the themes again, and then the 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 folky tribal part of the beginning comes back, and then it also ends in this big percussion frenzy. Yeah, (laughs) which is very
0: cool to see uh, on the live DVD. You know, like everybody, you know, getting in there and doing the thing. So yeah, Um, yeah. uh, It's uh, I I also wore the CD out, so it was like (laughs) destroyed by the time. I I couldn't use it anymore and um, watched the DVD tons of times. I think at first it was like so unique and bizarre that I I wasn't sure what to do with it after you know Remedy Lane yeah. being so important to me in a way, but then I also got into B as strongly I would say yeah. as as the previous records. Um,
1: I, I, when I say folky, um, I always want to say that. Um, most of the time when rock or metal bands include folk influences in their music, especially when it's German bands, I don't like it. yeah, I, I really, really don't like it, even though I like folk music and also like the german German folk music right you know, that's also part what I grew up with and uh, but but this is something totally different and unique also with this um. Yeah, all-time signatures, this, this main theme. Yeah. I actually,
0: you know, working with um, working with and making the movie with Matter Mortem and talking to uh, Agneta, the singer, uh-huh. about folk music, Scandinavian folk music that influences their type of metal. Like, they also are a band that does have elements in their music that comes from you know, Scandinavian folk, but you would never hear it and think, like, they're a folk metal band, you know, in that style, because, um, yeah, a lot of people just put folk instruments and then, like, heavy guitars and big drums. (laughs) Whereas I also feel like with Pain of Salvation, having made this movie um, with Matter Mortem, it made me actually, when I was going through their catalog again this time, I wondered where, like, how much of this sort of Scandinavian folk music is coming through in their music um, be, be, because certainly, like with um, with Remedy Lane, um, with Chainsling, yeah. Uh, just
1: wanted to wanted to say that as well.
0: Uh, and then, of course, a lot of stuff on B. It really has this this kind of element which doesn't feel like a folk rock, folk metal band all of a sudden. Like, but it has this tonality, as Agneta would call it. Like, the tonality of it is rooted in Scandinavian folk music. But you don't feel like you're listening to yeah. like
1: a genre. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay, let, let's hear what Daniel has to say
2: about it. This is the album that is most confusing for us as a band because it has the biggest discrepancy between the actual, like the the, the sales and marketing feedback of the album and the fan feedback. Like people are talking about that. Like we're all always having people coming up. Asking about B, talking about B, like they're just totally addicted to B. While at the same time, it, it did not, it, it still hasn't really made a, an impact from a marketing point of view. I just remember, like, so many times when we were starting a new album, the record label will go like, "All right, just not another B." <laughs> That's actually a phrase. Like, so you hear, you hear your fans going. When is there going to be another album like B? And you have your record label going like, just not another B album. So it's it's always a, a confusing sort of like mixture of, of that, I guess. I like the smaller sections like uh, Nauticus, where you just have very few elements and, and, and you really get to focus on the emotions. And you have Eater Impious, which is one of the few songs that, that Frederick uh, came to me and he had he was working on a song and he asked if I could help him out with finishing the song. And that was Eter impious. And I uh, really liked it. Cause he, I mean, we're very different songwriters. Like he, he basically came up with two song ideas of, uh, in all the years that he was with the band, it was her voices and eater impious that he came to me with. Like, I, I usually feel that when someone else has written the, the vocal melodies they usually they think in a different way, and I get, I feel that I have more space of just using my voice, voice emotionally. Sometimes even more so than when I write music, you know, myself, which is sort of odd. I don't know. I had the liberty of just like twisting and turning whatever parts I wanted, and and uh, having the you know making creating the lyrics for the song. Um, and it turned into this really. I mean, regardless of what the song is about on this particular album, which is the most fictional album that we've ever made, I guess, um, but used in a way like, you know, pretty much like a, a Star Trek episode. It is a way of of portraying mankind and the journey of how the concepts of religion and masters and slaves are always sort of like being, we try to, to be in control of things, but, but then they end up controlling us and, you know, the other way around. Um, i think everyone can relate to the feelings of of that song uh the the lonely the sheer loneliness of that song um and that's what he said when he had a song he's like i wanted to sort of like you give hope and then you take it away like you're always falling back to base one like it's like you climb and you fall back to base one and uh, so that i just found it perfect for this lyric to do that uh so that would be one of the songs um Always good to do that live as well. Um, very, very emotional. And and then the, the other song that I am still so touched when I hear it is um, the, you know, you have, we had one song where I felt it would be cool to have mankind's messages to God. Like, you know, regardless of whether you think there is a God or not, mankind has a relationship With religion, and I, I always found that relationship interesting. Although I myself, I'm not a believer. Um, So basically, I set up, um, I I set up a a phone, like an answering machine, on a phone number, and then we ask fans around the world to call in uh, and just, you know, leave your message to God. Whatever it is, you know, you can, you can be, you can be deep, you can be shallow, you can joke, you can do whatever you want. This is your canvas. Do whatever you wish, and uh, and that and we did that, and it was it was a tremendous experience. Just like hearing all of these voices from around the world. Like this is just like we could only use like a fraction of all of that good stuff that came in, um, and it still moves me when I hear that because because it's people, you know, it's just people. Some of them are heart wrenching, and, and others are, are witty and and funny, and um, we could have done easily ten songs like that just like with different messages um and i think that i've I've never i've never seen anyone not reacting to that song i mean like when they hear that the first time you will you will feel something it's just impossible not to
1: moving away from folky territory and even more dividing in the fan base probably (laughs) was Scarsick, and that was finally the album when when i discovered like on an old i think metal hammer um um, covermount covermount uh, CD. CD sampler uh where I found ashes from because I got this old magazine like where it was a couple of years old at that time it was the, the, around the time scarik dropped and uh we were listening to it a lot on Progolus radio yeah. and uh I remember really getting into into them and also really liking the the um Rap parts, yeah. especially the first two tracks. I mean, Skarsik and uh, Spitfall it, Like, take these influences to a new extreme in the Pain of Salvation cosmos. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly you have Crib Caged afterwards, which is so weird. It's like a ballad, but it's only made up of I'm sick of this and that, and then a, fuck this and that. But it's still kind of a ballad. <laughs> um
0: yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think that that's like um, I think that's one of the strengths of Pain of Salvation is that they often have like this sort of aggressive, abrasive stuff, but they always interject, and it's a lot on this album, this sort of tenderness and this this I'm criticizing you, but I really love you, and 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 I want I want you to be okay. Yeah, you know, like you have that feeling definitely on this song, on the song America. Uh, on um disco, disco queen. queen i mean you always have that that he comes back to this place where it's like i'm am kind of railing against this but you know you could be so great you know you know you have the potential like don't give up so uh crib caged yeah i mean it's amazing. I mean, I after this album dropped, I knew that I was politically aligned with uh, Pain of Salvation. <laughs> um, and I lived in uh, New York and was there for nine eleven and you know the subsequent wars and stuff and the Bush era. Yeah. So you know when they announced at that time that they weren't going to play in America, but they because they were boycotting. I thought, yeah, of course, yeah, and I would. I don't blame yeah. them, and I was ashamed. You know, yeah.
1: um, I I remember also, um, yeah fans american fans that were mad at them because of that decision and and said yeah if you don't want to play for us we don't want to see you uh, anyway so, so something like that
0: yeah and i often wondered by not touring in america if it if it maybe had an effect on their career at all i mean they certainly are still well known and stuff but um would, would that have changed anything if they would have come but i feel like standing by your principles always at the end of the day is the is like the important thing to do but i love this record um it was a great album to have after b because it's like a palate cleanser you know like yeah. b is like so like dense and crazy and, and and experimental and then you come back to this and you're like yes
1: metal riffs all day <laughs> I, I had uh, yesterday when i listened to, uh, through the whole discography i had the had the feeling it's not quite the same but a little bit like Train of Thought after oh, uh, yeah. after Six Degrees. Yeah, okay. Because Train of Thought was also the thrash metal wrist and what
0: whatnot. Also <laughs> Systematic Chaos after Octavarium. Yeah. Because it also, like, the first singles were, like, the Megadeth song, you yeah. know? like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely it had that. And, I mean, I really connected to, uh, of course, the politics, like, the American politics, but also this, like, this culture of celebrity, like, this, like people voting with their money kind of thing i don't want to hear their voices as long as they vote yeah. with their wallets huh. like this whole like capitalism like i mean this uh, again
1: stuff, again more relevant than ever the, uh, more relevant right than
0: ever <laughs> yeah and i kind of think like like where where is the scar sick of the trump era because now we're in like yeah. total like batshit crazy yeah what i wanted
1: to, what i wanted to say of course with the trek in america and we all know that uh, Daniel and the band decided back then that they were boycotting America for the time being. Yep. It was the Bush era, the George W. Bush yep. era with the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and everything. Um, who would have thought back then that George W. Bush would be one of the voice of reason speaking against the current, <laughs> <laughs> the current Yeah, I mean, I think this is also
0: like, uh, <laughs> you know, our you know time time tends to soften, you know, like... There are still people out there trying to remind people, hey, the, the Bush people still should be going to prison for what they did, you know,
1: so... <laughs> going back to Planet of Salvation, yes. Uh, Kingdom of Loss is... Uh, it. It is actually officially Perfect Element Part 2. Uh, yeah, this <laughs> was... Weirdly <laughs> enough... Yeah, But, uh, I mean, we had King of Loss, now Kingdom of Loss, and they played it on the Roadside One tour, and they had this like speaker's desk or, or pulpit uh, put on stage, and Daniel was preaching from there, this, nice. can someone just tell me what happened part, you know? Yeah. Uh, which was kind of weird, but just, f- it fit, um, it fitted the, the, the song and what he was trying to get across the message yeah it it uh, underlined it obviously yeah let's see what daniel has to say about it
2: i'm i'm tempted to say enter rain um we did that live on one tour and that was that was a really a really nice song to be doing um on the other hand we do have a lot of long songs at this point (laughs) see now i'm starting to think um we have Disco Queen, of course, maybe you have to take that because that's just, again, it was a lot of tongue in cheek, but I think what many people failed to to get, like um, at the first listen, they just thought it was a quirky, weird track, but it does have this sort of like undercurrent of hostility or, or like it, it does have this sort of like weird sub torrent, if you will. And it's continuously making parables between pretty harsh sex and playing disco albums. (laughs) Um, And uh, so it it was. um, We loved doing that live. It was a huge thing. Like for the, it was the first time ever I think that we were in like Swedish. A Swedish newspaper like not a music magazine but a, a regular big newspaper like one of the biggest ones as most interesting right now like in the music you know uh, the music com- department of the of the uh, news- newspaper uh we were most interesting right now pain salvation with disco queen um that has never happened before and will probably never happen again uh and, and it divided the fan base uh, a lot. And the, the thing is, a lot of the times when something divides the fan base, more often than not, it is just that they need a little bit more time, you know, and, and they will hopefully come around. But I do know that when Ragnar was in the band, he refused to play Disco Queen live. Uh, <laughs> so we had a lot of, a lot of people asking us uh, for Disco Queen, and we, we, we just couldn't play it um so that was a, a like a little nice thing when uh when joan came back like the first thing we did was play disco queen live and you always get a lot of response from from the audience uh when you play disco queen and and um uh, um and also material from from road salt that i think like when you're when you're in a live situation the, the, the there's less difference between the albums than on album. Like, you will you will see the parables between the songs much more clearly when you're doing it in a live situation.
0: I think Disco Queen is amazing. <laughs> I think it's like a work of art. I, It was also like, took me aback the first time I heard it with this sort of like, disco beats. But again, it was also a little ahead of his time, because now everybody does that. <laughs> like, everybody has songs that have this sort of like, disco bass sound, you know, Um, I also feel like that was a little ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, now now it's more either the retro, 80s retro influences or or, um, dubstep yeah these these kind of things, and like Haken does both
0: sometimes yeah right exactly right uh and 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 certainly yeah the the music that's inspired from like eighties synth wave and pop and stuff like that is 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 way more mainstream, and maybe this song wasn't just like tacking on those things to like be cool but actually to kind of make a point
1: <laughs> uh
0: and as we said before, this is one of those songs that feels like it's a criticism, but then it has these sections that are like
1: very emotional too. I've I've always found it really cool to or fitting or yeah that there's now a song called Disco Queen out of the country that brought us um <laughs> dance, dancing queen.
0: <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> I would pick Crib Cage as my as my track because it was I love that song.
1: Yeah I I, I will go with Idiocracy here actually. Okay, uh nice. We have we have another uh lineup change here actually. Um Right. And then like yeah, an impending album that kind of reflected that, right? The
0: Second Death
1: of Pain of Salvation. Yeah, it was um actually uh, I think Chris Gildenlow, Brother of Daniel um wasn't on Scarsick right. yet.
0: And Daniel played the the bass. Uh Daniel Gildenlow played the bass parts. Yes. Which were like actually uh, I didn't I didn't think of this as we talked about it but I liked that. I mean I like Christopher Gildenlow as a bass player but I liked the bass playing on Scar Sick a lot because it's very like attacky, like it's a pick attack, like it's very like heavy and abrasive. Yeah yeah, yeah of and course. And not so fretless
1: sounding. Yeah, it's, it's a different style. It's a different course. style and I liked that. Um yeah, but then also um Johan Langell left, and uh, enter Leo Marguerite. Right, and um, yeah, a couple of uh, bass players changed around during the road soul time. Uh, Shelanda was in, and, and uh, yeah, Simon Anderson from Darkwater and all ah, the yeah. Plastic. Right, and I think he's playing on
0: the the live uh, the live uh, CD disc from that era, the second death of Pain and Salvation.
1: Yeah, and then later with the, with the Road Salt era, we had Per Schilander uh, live, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Road Salt, there was the really cool EP with Linoleum. Um, linoleum ended up on Road 1. Motor Grind r- ended up on Road 2. Right. But actually, it is the other tracks on that EP that I really love. That's If You Wait, Gone... And the uh, Yellow Raven. Uh, I actually never had the
0: Linoleum um, EP, so I don't. I don't think I've ever heard any of these songs. I will
1: show them later to yep. you because they're amazing. And Yellow Raven is, of course, a cover version from a German band. Which German band? Scorpions.
0: Ah, okay, yeah. It's okay. Uh,
1: super emotional stuff. Unrolled, yep. On, sold one and two. Uh,
0: yeah, I think we can talk about them together because this was like an era, and I think it's. M- I, th- I always thought it was maybe the most controversial era of the band, yeah, like going definitely. into these, because it really went from, um, yeah. it re- They really went into another direction. Road Salt 2, I liked uh, a lot
1: more than Road Salt 1. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I was so connected to Road Salt 1 because I had the opportunity to see them three times on that tour. And because of songs like uh, Where It Hurts, um, like Where It Hurts probably was one of the songs that Touch me the most, or, yeah. or like, yeah, it's the ti- in German we would say the the program and the title is the program, like the the it, the title is very fitting. Yeah, but yeah, I I really like the whole album experience of Road Salt One, and also the quirky little songs like Sleeping Under the Stars or yeah. of Dust, and I love that they kind of re- resurface in Road Salt Two uh, in another. Um, guys yeah. um as of salt and uh break darling break yeah which is so cool yeah but, but they they there's sl- i i they have a slightly different feel i think uh, especially road salt 2 i discovered on, i first had only on vinyl um so i listened to it a lot on vinyl so that's definitely a vinyl record for yeah, me totally. and, and and also the sound yeah fits perfectly and um Well, the Road Soul theme and the ending credits, um, these kind of strings are very cinematic, but not in a bombast way, more in an art house way. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. It's definitely more stripped down and more, uh, yeah, maybe more 70s, actually. Um, uh, 70s art house. Argento kind of stuff. I actually always <laughs> wondered why they didn't put the Road Salt theme at the beginning of Road Salt One, and you know, in credits. I mean, where the, it the, is. the intro
1: to What She Means to Me, a acapella like that is also pretty pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, um, standout songs for me definitely are like 1979, um, to the shoreline. Um, the the song Road Salt uh, is one of my favorite from the two records. And I think that's actually recorded live um at their at the Swedish song contest, the like precursor to the yeah. not precursor, but like the, the national the national round round that yeah. would then go to eurovision mm-hmm. uh so when you listen to that song with headphones, what's very different from the other songs which are very dry, there's yeah. like this huge room you know <laughs> that he's singing into uh i think
1: and the road and the in road salt um I find it so funny that if you look at the video from Road Salt, that um, you had the whole band on the on the stage. Like, um, Johan Hålgren was with his, I don't know, seven string guitar. Yeah, but like, they never just, play. Um, like um, bare chested as always, just kneeling on the stage. And I and I thought, I thought this was like, it was cool. Kind, of. I mean, Johan is a cool guy. Yeah, and I can't wait to see him back on stage with Pain of Salvation because like. I didn't have the chance to see them again since he rejoined. Um, anyway, for me, definitely Where It Hurts and uh, Of Dust, Of Salt. Yeah, let's hear what Daniel has to say about the albums.
2: This is the, the two albums that are really difficult for me to to remember which songs are which, because it was supposed to be one album and then it was just way too much material. It was supposed to be a double album. And all, all of a sudden you had... Um, our distribution company filing for bankruptcy and we were stuck with the album, we needed to get product out. It, it was just lots of confusing things that in the end led to making two Road Self albums, which was not the original intention. Um, but I do think that Sisters is on the first one, right? And in Turkey, I, I don't know, like, I can like, as you know, because we're part of the band, we can actually go in and, and look at the statistics. and something has happened in turkey i had to sort of like give my management a call like what's happening in turkey because like it is like millions of of uh, streams for that song from different cities in turkey um and it just, like, in one or two years' time, it just, like, surpassed a lot of the other songs. And I have no idea why. And it really sort of, like, I'm really happy, but also confused. And to me, that is, like, I would have to say, one of the one of the strongest songs of the band throughout the, the entire catalog. I do really like To The Shoreline. I, I really love 1979. Uh, the fun thing was, like, you know you were, Like it doesn't matter. You you if if you become a hero to like whoever in the world, you sort of just you have you're expecting that you're not going to be a hero to your kids, you know, because that's how it is with parents. Um, And it was like one of the most heartwarming things that I've witnessed or like been been because I get I get so many fans telling me all the time like the. You know they love the music they've heard this they they love this or they'd helped help them through certain you know whatever it is, it always makes me feel so warm inside that still that does not come close to what I felt like maybe two years ago, turns out, my oldest son um when he went to bed he he asked me like what is that song with the video when you know when we were small, and you know, what is that song? And I said, well, it's, uh, it's got to be 1979, you know. And then a few days later on, I noticed when he was going to sleep, he made a, he made a playlist with only 1979 on repeat, just going over and over again. Uh, and and he, he 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 listened to that when he was falling asleep and that was like, you know, I didn't say anything. I just like I came in and I noticed and that was like, my heart was just like breaking out of of love and joy and um, just feeling so thankful that, like, you know, I've, I've never pushed our music on him. And all of a sudden it turns out he likes that song.
1: All right, moving on. There was a long break. I mean, Daniel got really, really sick with this flesh eating bacteria. Yeah. Um, luckily recovered. Um And then came back with Falling Home. And yeah, exit Frederick Hermanson on keys and enter D2, Daniel Carson, first Mm -hmm. on bass and then moving up to to the keyboards, up or Uh, over. That's a lateral move. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You don't move up from the bass, homie. (laughs) (laughs) And um,
0: Ragnar. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would say Falling Home uh, reminded me a little bit of Twelve to Five because they kind of like uh, did some acoustic like reworks of yeah, yeah, their def- stuff, def- and definitely. then uh, some covers. Um, like Stress was really cool as a as a stripped down version, and it made a lot of sense. Actually, my favorite track on Falling Home is Perfect Day. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I would have to. I would have to agree with you.
2: If, if that's not our song, but, you know, I I wouldn't mind having Holy Diver in there. You know, it, it has to be said, I did not do that. I mean, that's a song that all of us loved and still love. I mean, that album is one of one of the strongest metal albums that I knew that really has survived. A lot of the, the songs that I listened to back then, I can't listen to today. But the Holy Diver album still sounds good it still has a, such a nice sound, such good drumming, such good vocals. Um and so so this was definitely a tribute from our point of view. Like we were just taking it into it's like a a mixture tribute of of Dio and um Bennett because I think like uh Tony Bennett is is one of the the like as a singer he had the most amazing timing like i i there are few singers that i can listen to and go like wow that's such a nice timing like he's, he's uh he's rhythmically so on spot when it comes to vocals like or rather he's never on spot he's just off spot in the exact right way um so it was in a way a tribute to two really major vocalists i guess um and just also making it a little bit of a tribute to our past because that's what we usually did all the way dating back from the first album or even yeah even before that when we were in the rehearsal we could be in the rehearsing room for hours and hours and hours and you burn yourself out and you become sort of like totally just like busy in your head for you know from all the music and then you sort of like give your, your, your entire system an electric shock by taking a song at random or just deciding on a song and then simultaneously trying to play it in a jazz shuffle way. We basically did two things. Either we did it in a really, really fast way, like, we could, like we'd take one of the songs and just play it like three times the speed. Or um, like a penstal song, or they, or we, will took, we would take a song and make a jazz shuffle Sinatra, Tony Bennett version of it. Um, and so that was like a combination of three uh, of three tributes in a way, like having the, uh, the, the Dio tribute, the Tony Bennett tribute, and also a tribute to what we usually did in the rehearsing room when we felt bored and needed some challenge.:
1: Yeah, in the passing light of day uh for many many fans a return to form of yep. sorts yep. uh i think it sonically sounds a little
0: bit like a mix between the road salt albums and uh scarsick so like my first thought when i first heard on a tuesday the opening track uh i thought yep. like okay it's like we're going back to like scarsick like heaviness for me this album is a bit like the movie the deer hunter uh, which I don't know if you've ever seen it. That's a Michael Cimino film um, about, seen, uh, seen it. about Vietnam and POVs. Yeah. And it's, it's a very, very difficult film to watch. It's, it's a film that uh, I really love, but I can only watch it every couple of years because it's, it takes a lot to, to, to view it. And this album is kind of that same way. And maybe it's because we, we know so much about what Daniel went through because of Facebook and social media, Whereas some of the earlier albums that were very personal, uh, we wouldn't have known as much about his personal life in a way. But um, he was very uh, transparent, I think, during the time when he was ill, and you know a lot of people were, you know, try, you know trying to support him from afar, the
1: yeah. fan base and stuff like that. With so supporting messages. Yeah, Finally enough, I just remember he did like this kind of a diary on Facebook, where, where his guitar was like in his place he made pictures of his guitar in the hospital shower yeah. or in the hospital yeah. bed right. and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it was like you kinda I mean I remember I remember that time, you know, because I remember following like what's going on with them and it was so dire, you know, yeah. and, and scary. And he was very positive through the whole thing, which I just thought was know, how do you manage that, yeah. you know? Uh and so when the album came out it was like all those things that he went through are in there. So for me, it's so much like, it's so raw, you know, that it's hard to, to listen to, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and here we'll use the word brave, uh, the, yeah. the brave place that he goes with the music. Um, so I think it's a, I think it's not an easy record.
1: No, not at all. I, I saw them on that tour um, finally again. And I mean, ending the... Regular set with the title track yeah. is pretty heavy emo- emotional. Yeah, <laughs> I saw. I think I saw
0: a clip of that from like Hellfest. Okay, which is just hilarious, you know, because yeah. you think like Hellfest and the metal in the, festival, and then that's the song, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's like it,
1: it takes eight minutes to lift off to to
0: get some mean guitars like, guitar like fourteen paper. minutes or something, yeah. and like the audience is fairly respectful if i recall you know like to that not like screaming like booing <laughs> or whatever um but uh yeah if i had to uh if i had to pick a track for uh the record it would be one of the ones that i find like the hardest to listen to um if this is the end because i
1: feel like there's so much pain in that one section yeah, he he also picked that because uh, uh, yeah he oh, okay. he said I mean we we're gonna hear him in a second, but um, yeah, let's hear what he says. Yeah, let's don't, see, let's uh, listen, let me, listen to Daniel.
2: Uh, I, I will. I would have to go for the, the title track um, in the passing light of day. That's so you know so new still. I still have a lot of favorites on it. Maybe I'd go with if this is the end. That is sort of like a, a sister song in many ways to uh, to passing light of day. Because I do I do like that vibe that that um that I managed to tap into.
0: Uh yeah, so he 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 picked this as well. I I think for me it would be Silent Gold. It's funny because that has the road salt feeling that I was talking about. Uh, Silent right. Gold has that sa- yeah. same kind of I I I are maybe like it's the Leonard Cohen thing, right? Mm-hmm. It has that kind of feeling. Um so um I also like yeah I mean, on a Tuesday to start a record with an 11-minute song, like pretty ballsy, you know, um, and Reasons is cool as like a really heavy, but also kind of humorous um, yeah.
1: The, uh, track. Yeah, with, with the vocal harmonies. But we were talking about Pain of Salvation here, and uh, we're at the end of this... Uh, long, long episode. <laughs> long discography talk. Uh, kudos to you if you made it all all the way through. Um, You're a ma- true Pain of
0: Salvation fan if you made it all the way through. Yes. <laughs>
1: um Congrats to you
0: I mean, I think we've, we've covered it all I think everybody wants to go back to their normal <laughs> daily lives This has been fun I'm glad we got to finally get together to do this long-awaited uh, discography And it feels very fitting to do it when the new album has dropped Ye-
1: Years in the making Years in the making As, so. as was the de- discography uh, Thank you, Randy, for, for coming over um, Super happy to, to finally got this tackled Uh, Thank you guys for listening as always. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. And listen to Pain of Salvation.
0: The Broadcast is a production of Stuas Media and is recorded at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stengel-Lewis, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not an Elephant.